Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio, and this episode is being brought to you by Carnivora, the plant-based nutritional powerhouse. For over two decades, I've featured every type of diet book out there, from eating for your blood type, body type, counting calories, intermittent fasting, the list goes on and on. We have more trendy new diet and weight loss fads than ever in history, yet obesity rates continue to rise. Dr. Michael Greger says enough is enough. It's time for a different approach. His new book is called How Not to Diet. His weight loss guide takes a timeless, proactive approach to achieving healthy and permanent weight loss. If you've grown tired of all these yo-yo diet trends, don't go anywhere. It all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman. Changing lives just for the health of it. Our next guest is a graduate of Cornell University School of Agriculture and Tufts University School of Medicine. He's a fellow of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, a New York Times best-selling author and internationally recognized speaker on nutrition, food safety, and public health issues. He's the founder of the science-based website nutritionfacts.org. He's lectured at the Conference on World Affairs, testified before Congress, and was invited as an expert witness in the defense of Oprah Winfrey and infamous meat defamation trial. In 2017, he was honored with the ACLM Lifestyle Medicine Trailblazer Award. His first book, How Not to Die, became an instant New York Times bestseller. His new book is called How Not to Diet. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Michael Greger. So excited to be here. Ah, great to have you back. Now, listen, you are considered the go-to guru when it comes to scientific research, and there's so much conflicting opinions, so I'm glad you're here to set the record straight. First, tell us the magic question, why are so many people overweight no matter what diet they try? Oh, well, I mean, it's important to recognize that, you know, obesity is not some moral failing, right? The, The battle of the bulge is really just a battle against biology, and we're living in a toxic food environment, floating in a sea of excess calories or drowning. See, Rex, this guy is being, you know, bombarded with ads for, you know, fast food and candy at every corner. Becoming overweight is a normal, natural reaction to an abnormal, unnatural ubiquity of sugary, fatty foods concentrated in calories. Right. And, you know, that's it's funny because when I ask health experts the major cause of obesity, some say it's a lack of exercise. Others say, oh, it's sugar, solely to blame. And some believe we're eating too many carbs, not enough animal protein. What have you concluded really to be like public enemy number one when it comes to causing weight gain? Do you put sugar on that list or is there one that's even worse? Well, it's the rise in excess calories, period. I mean, the rise in excess calories provided by the U.S. food supply since the 1970s is more than sufficient to explain the entire obesity epidemic. This is ridiculous. You know, is it the sugar? Is it the fat? They both increased, right? Uh-huh. You know, it's the food, right? We have this change. It wasn't so much people are eating more, but they're eating worse in terms of food quality. This explosion of cheap, high-calorie, low-quality convenience foods, fatty foods, sugary foods. You know, I mean, look, uh, you know, like some like a Twinkie or something. Look, with enough time and effort, any ambitious cook could create a you know cream-filled cake in their own kitchen. But today, they're every turn you can get them for less than a buck, right? I mean, if every time you wanted a Twinkie, you had to bake it yourself, I'd probably eat them a lot more, a lot less of them, right? I mean, it was like. Uh, <laughs> You know, cigarette production is a, is a compelling parallel, right? Before automated rolling machines, 
right? Cigarettes had to be rolled by hands. But now, I mean, but then after automation, cigarette prices plunged. Uh, production leaped into the billions. I mean, look, cigarette smoking went from being relatively uncommon to everywhere. So uh, average per capita consumption went from like 50 cigarettes a year to 4,000 a year by the time the Surgeon General report came out. Right? The average person, average American walking around smoked half pack a day. Went from one cigarette a week to half pack a day. Right? Tobacco was just as addicting before and after. But then we had this mass marketing, right? This, now we have this greater opportunity for cheap, easy access, aggressively marketed, uh, these tasty, cheap, convenient calories. No wonder the majority, about 70% of Americans are overweight. I love that answer. So convenience is the answer. It's the, it's the public enemy number one. And I agree. That's such a neat answer because it is. It's grabbing, you know, that candy bar, the fast food. It goes through and you get the dollar meal. It's quick. It's convenient. And you're right. Sometimes it takes a little bit of effort, but it's worth it. You know, it's worth it in the long run. Let me ask you this. I thoroughly enjoyed reading your book, by the way. It's excellent. You share the science, but then you use this easy to comprehend and oftentimes humorous analogies that really brings across your point. I love that. I love how you describe the keto diet. You said increasing your fat consumption to decrease your body's fat is like trying to empty a bathtub by widening the drain while cranking open the faucet. Tell us why you're not a ketogenic diet fan. Oh, because when you switch to a ketogenic diet, your rate of body fat loss actually slows down because your body starts cannibalizing its own protein. Um, and so, you know, there's a famous NIH study where people are losing about a pound a week on a uh, regular diet. Then, boom, three and a half pounds within seven days after switching to keto. So, I mean, just looking at the smash at the at the, at the diet on the on the bathroom scale looks like a smashing success. Um, but what's happening inside their bodies told a totally different story. Fat loss actually slowed down by more than half, and that's because they were losing mostly water weight, but also lean mass, also losing protein. Um, and that explains why you know CrossFit trainees randomized to a ketogenic diet um, uh, can see their uh, leg muscle shrink as much as 8%. Uh, within two months. I mean, exercise is supposed to make your muscles bigger, not smaller, but that's what happens when you go on a ketogenic diet. Wow. You know, what bothers me is a lot of these health experts are, are praising keto, and if you look back 15, 20 years ago, they were bad-mouthing the Atkins diet. And it's <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> I, I see it. It's And some people are changing the name keto to their products. I really started to figure out why this is, and let me get your opinion. I, don't know, I think that because the word keto is not trademarked, that they can use it to make money, and Atkins wasn't. Oh. Oh, interesting. I, oh, yeah. right, right. You couldn't say this is like Atkins approved, but you could say keto can Exactly. Anything that makes people money. Look, the, yes. the food industry is happy to give you any kind of junk food you want. Right? You want keto junk food? Yeah, well, fine. You want low-fat junk food? We'll give you snack world cookies. You want, uh, look, it'll even make you paleo junk food, which makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> you know, what gets me is for years we were told to stay away from butter because it was fattening, and now there's this popular diet that advocates putting butter in coffee to lose weight. You're the research guy. Is there weight loss from drinking butter? Is it backed by science? Oh, come on. Come on. Right. Even if it's grass-fed, though, but it's grass-fed. Oh, Jesus. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, right? It's nuts. Now, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to even, you know, glorify that with an answer. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, but the coffee itself, right? I mean, so caffeine um, does actually have um, uh, weight loss properties. So I encourage people to drink three cups of right. green tea a day. Um, okay. Causes people to lose about an average of about a pound a month. But I would not recommend green tea extract supplements. They've been shown to actually cause liver problems about 1 in 20 people. So green tea is above coffee, correct? 
Well, green tea is just healthier. Just healthier, right. And, you know, let's talk about breakfast. It was once considered the most important meal of the day. Now we have this intermittent fasting diet, which advocates skipping this meal. And now there's a 23-hour fasting diet, which has people starving 23 hours a day and gorging during that one-hour window. Share your opinion on this fasting diet craze. Yeah, it's interesting. So it went from breakfast, most important meal, and then skipping. And now with chronobiology, we're back to um, emphasizing breakfast. Um, but the science never really changed. It's just uh, people's interpretation um, uh, flipped around. Uh, and, of course, there's a lot of money to be made, the breakfast cereal industry, mm-hmm. etc. But in terms of uh, the benefits, so there is a benefit to, um, uh, to what's called time-restrictive feeding, so narrowing your eating daily eating window to 12 hours or less. Um, and there's benefits to front-loading your calories towards the, um, towards the beginning of the day. So, fine, you want to um, do some time-restricted feeding, fantastic. But you make sure it's early time-restricted feeding. If you're going to mm-hmm. skip any meal, you skip dinner, not breakfast. Um, it's, you know, breakfast like a king, prince, you know, <laughs> lunch like mm-hmm. a prince, dinner like a pauper. Um, that's what um, our circadian rhythms are telling us, uh, you know, food eaten at night is more fattening than literally the exact same food eaten earlier in the day. So the fewer calories after sundown, the better. I encourage people to stop eating after 7 p.m. And you bring such a good point as these people that, that max out on this big dinner, skip breakfast, and then what happens a few hours later, they're in bed, they're sleeping with this food in their body, whereas in the yep. morning they burn it off through the day. That makes such common, right? common sense. And it's not just they're burning it off, but they're, they're packing up their glycogen stores, and so then they're, which is an extra energy-consuming right. step, and then breaking it back down. Um, and so uh, that's uh, one of the reasons why uh, calories in the morning just don't count as much. Right. Now, you advocate a plant-based diet. Are there some plant foods that people should stay away from if they're trying to lose weight? I know I've had several plant-based docs say that we should stay away from avocados. What's your opinion? Any plant-based foods that are kind of like no-nos? Well, I mean, one of the benefits of plant-based diet um, uh, compared to uh, you know traditional weight loss approaches, that people are encouraged to eat ad libitum, which means eat as much as you want, no calorie counting, no portion control, just eating. Right. The, the the whole point is to increase the quality of the food rather than decrease the quantity. Right. So then you're not hungry. Right. And so then instead you get the boost of you know energy and digestion, sleep, etc. You don't know how good you're gonna feel until you actually give it a try. But um, that's the benefit. And part of that is caloric density. Right. So uh, most uh, whole plant foods particularly water-rich vegetables, but fruits and vegetables in general, so low in calorie density, less than 100 calories per cup, such that you could literally not overeat them. It's impossible to overeat them. Like, you just don't have the stomach capacity to even maintain your weight. You know, I mean, like, to get 2,000 uh, calories of strawberries, that's like 44 cups. It's like 11 stomachfuls. It's just impossible. Um, And so that's why people can eat as much as they want. Uh, People eat about three pounds of food a day. And so... Um, you know, you stick to whole healthy plant foods. They, um, uh, they, they, you know, they're under, um, uh, you know, they, they're, they're under uh, 2,000 calories per three pounds, and so you just lose weight naturally without even thinking about it. There are, however, um, calorie dense uh, plant foods such as nuts, seeds, nut butter, seed butters, and uh, avocados, and so um, those are not foods that you can eat ad libitum. But I do encourage people to eat an ounce um, of nuts and seeds. It's a palmful. Um, every day for the longevity benefits. So don't sit be you know before bed and, and snack on a big bag of nuts while you're watching a movie. Well, and, and particularly salted nuts, which will add the sodium, you know, right. you want roasted nuts. Um, and, yeah, and, and in general, 
snacking while watching anything, right? That distracted eating is a way to, you know, polish off calories without uh, with more calories than you intended. Yeah, I read a study on that that that, that when you you're focused on a TV show or something that you just eat, you don't realize you're eating. It's best to just focus on what you're eating and you don't eat as much. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. no, it's true. So yeah, having undistracted meals is uh, one of my 21 tweaks, actually, for accelerating weight loss. That's great. Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that this episode is being brought to you by Carnivora. You know, with all the news reports about people getting sick, I get asked a lot, what am I doing to support my healthy immune system? The answer is Carnivora, a nutritional powerhouse supplement made from extracts of the Venus flytrap. It's the product I take daily to keep my immune system at its optimal level, and you should too. Carnivora contains 17 naturally occurring compounds that help support a healthy immune system. We're bombarded every day with germs and chemicals and free radicals and pesticides and all of these can wreak havoc on our immune system. Even daily stress can lower our body's ability to combat disease. The Venus flytrap is considered one of the strongest plants in the world and Carnivora allows you to harness its power and immune boosting properties. Order yours today at Carnivora.com. Use promo code GOODHEALTH for 10% off your order. Instead of stressing about getting sick, take proactive steps to boost your immune system and live the healthy life that you deserve. Carnivora.com. Type in promo code GOODHEALTH for 10% off. I love that you're a fan of eating fruit. I get so many health experts here saying that uh, avoid all fruits because they contain fructose, which spikes our blood sugar, causes inflammation, and increases fat growth. Share with the list why they shouldn't be afraid of fruit. Oh, my God. In fact, the Global Burden of Disease Study is the largest study of risk factors for human disease in history, funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, found that one of the leading causes of death in the world, actually killer number two now, is inadequate fruit consumption. Um, wow. It kills more people than anything else in terms of uh, dietary risk factors. Um, and number one is too much sodium. But uh, So number two, you think of all the worst things about our diet, uh, soda, processed meat, all sorts of horrible stuff. But no, inadequate fruit consumption kills more people than all that stuff. Um, uh, and because it reduces risk from so many different, uh, and reduces risk of stroke, so many killer diseases, reduces risk of stroke, kidney disease, heart disease, et cetera, on down the list. Um, and so it's absolutely true. We should avoid added sugars, right? So, um, um, but that's because they are acellular sugars. They are not. They're not enclosed in, uh, in 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 cell walls, in plant cell walls. I mean, so fruit juice, refined sugar, uh, refined grains, powdered grains um, uh, lead to uh, you know uh, to excessive blood sugar spikes, which lead to insulin production, triglyceride release, all sorts of bad stuff. So, you know, you drink a couple liters of soda every day, you get increase in liver fat, triglycerides, blood pressure. Um, but you eat the same amount of fructose in fruit form, whole fruit form. This is done at the University of Toronto. I have people eat over 20 servings of fruit a day um, wow. because they wanted to mimic like two liters of soda every day. Yeah. Um, and so what happened? I mean, there has to be some limit, right? No, no right. limit. They, so their liver fat actually went down, right? Their triglycerides <laughs> went bad. Their blood pressure got down. So all the things that, that fructose and in, 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 in added sugars, like high fructose corn syrup and, and, uh, and, and, and table sugar, all the things actually got better, right? No adverse effects. Um, wow. And, of course, that makes sense based on evolutionary history. I mean, we, we evolved for millions of years, you know, centering our diets on, on basically leaves, leafy vegetables, and fruit. 
um, like our fellow great apes. Right. So, so eating oranges is okay, but you don't recommend orange juice, right? Because you're getting oh, rid of all the pulp. Okay. So, right. eat the orange, not eat the orange right. juice. That's even, great. even, even high pulp orange juice basically has zero fiber. It's all pulp fiction. We uh, stick pulp to fiction. the whole food. That's great. Talk to us about the the role our gut microbiome has on the ability to lose weight. Where does that fall? Yeah, really interesting. You know, until recently, we didn't even know what kind of bacteria we had in our uh, gut because they were unculturable, so you couldn't grow. Right them outside of the colon, but now we have DNA fingerprinting techniques, so we can actually track changes in microbiome, and you can see dramatic changes within 24 hours of changing one's diet. It's the number one uh, kind of uh, indicator of what your, uh, the, the health of your microbiome. Uh, primarily our prebiotic consumption, meaning this is what our good bacteria eat, like fiber and resistant starch, found in all whole plant foods, but concentrated in legumes, beans, split peas, chickpeas, and lentils, as well as whole grains, particularly intact whole grains. Um, and so that's how you foster a slimming microbiome. And you say, well, wait a second, you eat a whole bunch of healthy plant foods, you lose weight. How do we know that our gut bugs have anything to do with it? Lots of ways eating healthy food can cause weight loss, but you can prove it's a microbiome because you can do these fecal transplant studies. We actually, uh, you know, basically swap, um, uh, you know, microbiomes with people and you take um, a microbiome from someone who's obese and put it in a skinny person. And they start and they eat the same food, but they start gaining weight like crazy. Um, wow. So that proves that, oh, it is actually the microbiome, so we need to take care of it, and we can't starve our microbial self um, by eating these fiber-free processed foods and animal foods. And one big key, do you recommend, I guess, go organic, stay away from all these chemicals, the glyphosate, doesn't that destroy the gut lining and can create obesity? Uh, well, I mean, they, I mean uh, we don't have human studies to support that. Um, there are laboratory animal studies that, um, that implicate uh, um, glyphosate in terms of microbiome changes, but not a single clinical study um, to support that. Um, uh, and in terms of uh, in terms of pesticides, you know, I talk in How Not to Die uh, about you know uh, modeling studies suggest that if half of America ate a single more serving of fruits or vegetables, um, just a s half eating a single one or the other uh, would prevent 20,000 cases of cancer every year. That's how tremendously powerful. Uh, produce is, but because they're talking about conventional fruits and vegetables, pesticide-laden fruits and vegetables, the extra pesticide burden on the U.S. population would cause 10 extra cancer cases. So in the end, we would just prevent 19,990 cases of cancer, right? So that gives you a sense of the tremendous benefit from eating fruits and vegetables versus the tiny bump in risk. And you say, wait a second, why accept any risk at all? Why not get all benefit, no risk by choosing organic? Fantastic. But we should never let concern about pesticides prevent us from stuffing our faces with as many fruits and vegetables as possible. Right. Good point. I'm curious, how much does exercise contribute to weight loss compared to diet? Where is it? Where is it? Like 50, 50, 50, 80, 20? Oh, yeah. No, well, see, you know, uh, you know, if you take like a moderately obese person doing moderate intensity exercise, uh -huh. uh, like, you know, biking, very brisk walking or something, you burn off approximately like 350 calories an hour. But most drinks, snacks, and other processed junk are consumed at a rate of about 70 calories a minute. Therefore, it takes only five minutes of snacking for someone to wipe out an entire hour of exercise. That's why you know, you can't outrun a bad diet. Yeah, and I've interviewed all the, the health experts, Denise Austin, we've got J Joe Cardiello, and I asked him the question, I asked, you know, we had Richard Simmons, I mean, and I say, what percentage is, is weight loss and, and, and diet? And they say 80% exercise, I mean, 80% diet is 20% exercise. You'd think it'd be the reverse, because these guys do exercise for a living, but even they get it. It really oh, is yeah. about, it, it's about, they, well, they said you, you lose weight in the kitchen, you get toned at the gym. 
And I oh, like that. Yeah. Oh, that, I like that phrase. Yeah. No, yeah. and it's because we have much more control over uh, calories in. So and we ultimately have 100% control, right? You could eat literally nothing all day. Whereas calories out, voluntary exercise, voluntary physical activity is actually just a really small piece of the pie. Most of the calories we spend every day just existing. Even if you lied in bed all day, never got out of bed, you'd still burn over 1,000 calories. Just keeping your brain going, your heart pumping, all that stuff. Um, whereas, you know, you add an hour of exercise, you can just get a little slice bump in that. But most calories we burn without doing anything. Wow. What role, I'm curious, does sleep have in our ability to lose weight? Where do you put lack of sleep on your list of obesity increasers? Oh, well, you know, it's interesting. Again, on the bathroom scale, it doesn't seem to matter. So you randomize people to cut a few hours out of their um, daily sleeping habits, um, come back a few weeks later, and on the scale lose exactly the same amount of weight. So they're on the same diet, different amounts of sleep, same weight loss. But if you, you know, do CT scans or other kind of gold standard methods to look at actual body fat, what happens is that those who are sleep deprived, even just a few hours a night, um, tend to lose more lean mass, conserve their body fat, um, such that um, they're actually holding on to pounds of body fat. Um, and uh, those that were getting enough sleep are losing uh, pounds of body fat, even though you don't actually see the difference on the scale, um, and uh, compared to uh, compared to those who are uh, losing lean mass, and so that's why it's critically important to get enough sleep. Basically, uh, you know, you snooze, you lose weight. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and and I noticed when I was a student, and I was staying up late studying, you know, and I didn't get a lot of sleep. I was starving the next day, and of course, research shows it increases your ghrelin, makes you. I call it ghrelin the felon because it makes you want to eat like you're out on parole. And ah. so, if you're not right. You're Funny. writing down some of these analogies, aren't you? <laughs> you, you and me, we, we do a lot of analogies in our books. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So is that so? If you, so is that true? There's so people that they 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 get hungrier when they're not getting adequate sleep. Oh, Their yeah, body yeah. wants no, more so, fuel. But, right. Right. No, but you're all right. And even if you control people's diet, I mean, so right. There's a number of reasons why people who you know eat at night uh, gain more weight. People uh, eat, have their appetite is up. They eat worse food. Like so, you sleep deprive someone, then you give them a breakfast buffet. People who got less sleep, you know, choose like the danishes and things more than the fruit. Um, uh, uh, but even, but this is the surprising thing. Even if you force them to eat the exact same number of calories, the exact same foods, um, eating food at night. Um, cause or it's more fattening than eating food earlier in the day. Um, so that's why you know we should stop eating after seven. The fewer calories after sundown, the better. Right now, the book's called "How How Not to Diet." If you were in an elevator and someone says, "Oh, tell me what your book's about," what would you say in a nutshell? If somebody gave you asked you for the elevator speech. Uh, I would say uh, you know with so much nutritional noise and nonsense these days, I just wanted there to finally be an evidence-based diet book. And I cite literally thousands of studies digging up every possible tip, trick, tweak, technique proven to accelerate the loss of body fat to give people every possible advantage and basically build the optimal weight loss solution from the ground up. Ding! Have a nice day. Love it. Now they're down. That's the first floor, and she's going out now getting that book. You did great. <laughs> That's ah. awesome. I love it. In the minute we have left, is there anything that we didn't cover? You would, you would like to share about how not to die, and why should everybody get a copy of this book? Well, uh, I encourage people to go to the local public library, check it out, and you can uh, find me online at nutritionfacts.org, a free nonprofit science-based public service. Um, and I should know, look, I, I don't receive a penny from my books either. All proceeds I get from my books are donated directly to charity. I just want everyone to have access 
to this life-changing, life-saving information. Fantastic. Thanks so much for being with us today. The book is called How Not to Die at the Groundbreaking Science of Healthy Permanent Weight Loss. You can get your copy everywhere books are sold or go to nutritionfacts.org. And while there, be sure and subscribe to his free email list. You get all the latest health news and research sent right to your inbox. Great info. Everybody needs it. Also, check out the many resources available, including podcasts, videos, and articles that he has available. You can follow him on Instagram at nutrition underscore facts underscore org on Facebook at Nutrition Facts and dot org, and then on Twitter, Nutrition underscore Facts. <laughs> Hope you got all that right. For my daily social media tweets, you can follow me at Dr. David Friedman, Instagram, Dr. D. Friedman. If you heard Dr. Gregor, share something today that somebody you know will benefit from hearing. Send them a link to this podcast. It's available to your goodhealthradio.com or radiomd.com and peruse our podcast library. Share these segments with friends, family, coworkers, and on social media, this information is too important to keep to yourself. Sharing is caring. You can also subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.